Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. This week's movies are Puppet Master and Demonic Toys. Not Puppet Master versus Demonic Toys. They keep promising us that one. This is just the original two movies. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MN Drive-In Pod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to the Midnight Drive-In at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food or drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why, to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted. I noticed that a lot. You know, I've been watching Letterkenny, and I've noticed that a lot, that there seems to be a whole lot of, well, French Canadians are dicks. Like, and they all wear the same colored clothing. It's really bizarre. Same colored clothing? Like, they all wear colored flannel. And you, and you know which like family they're from because of the color of the flannel they're wearing. I feel like that's a leather candy thing. I don't, <laughs> I don't know that show. So apparently, I looked it up. Apparently, it is a thing in French Canada. They there's a joke that they call it Canadian tartan. That actually friends, uh, families do like almost have colors like Scottish families do. I, I don't. But I don't know. I, I think that might be a, a joke and not an actual fact. But... I I don't know because I, I I looked it up online because I was like, is that an actual thing? Oh, and then they... said it on the internet, then it must be true. Well, I I found it in more than one place from reputable sources, not just Wikipedia. Maybe there's a maybe it's just it's it's so commonplace that I kind of uh, missed it. So I'm reading this article and then ignoring both of you. That's fair. It says Warner Brothers pulls back on DCEU. Shared universe no longer a top priority. Yeah. Hey, guess what? That's probably a good decision on their part because they're not good at it. See, the problem with them is that they're now they're now they're going to find themselves in the exact opposite problem where they're trying to rush into the shared universe. But now they're going to try to do this thing where it's like these characters that have already been in movies together, but now we're going to do them in their own individual movies, but those aren't part of the universe anymore. It's not going to make any fucking sense, right? They're just going to bring in a new Batman, and they're going to be releasing Batman movies, and they're still going to be releasing Wonder Woman movies. And it's only been like a year since those guys were in movies together, but now we're just supposed to assume they're in different universes. My my problem is the new Batman movie, they keep saying things that make me excited for the new Batman movie. And they're lying to me. And I know they're lying to me. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm going to get to that theater and I'm going to pay good money and then be all pissed off because it's not what I think it's going to be. Eh, you never know. We'll Matt see. Re- it's Matt Reeves. I like Matt Reeves. I, I will say this. Like, um, if you had tried to convince me, I don't know, five or six years ago that there was going to be a Justice League movie with Ben Affleck as Batman. There's no way I wouldn't have been excited for that movie. And yet, here we are, and I haven't seen that movie, because <laughs> I just don't care to. It's not worth the time. 
Mm. And you guys hear every week some of the stuff I wake my, waste my time watching. <laughs> like, I find it weird. At what point did you say 10 years ago? Wasn't the Daredevil movie out at that point? At that time, I still thought he should be Batman. Dear God, man. <laughs> I don't think it was his fault that Daredevil movie wasn't good. I think it wasn't uh, his fault that the listen, I think I, I think didn't it, hate Daredevil. I listen, thought it was okay. It wasn't it wasn't the worst comic book movie ever made. But it was not good and he, he was not good in it. I th- I think uh Ben Affleck can be perfectly serviceable if he has a really really good director telling him what to do. And I think he's a really good director as long as he's not trying to direct himself. Mm. Taking a step back, though, I would say that he was serviceable in Batman versus Superman. And he was okay. He did not have a good director telling him what to do. Mm-hmm. So the, the Batman stuff, a, Batman stuff out of this whole DC universe has never been the problem. No, and and where he, where it has been a problem, it's not on the actor. It's no. not his fucking fault that Martha scene happened. Exactly. He acted that as well as anybody could possibly act that. It's just that there's no imaginable way to act that scene. Mm. Like the minute that that scene was written into the script, everyone involved should have been fired. That's how you <laughs> handle that. That's how you think. That's where studio involvement. Like you turn in a draft of the script that has that scene in it, and the director and all the writers and like every fucking production assistant is fired for allowing that to happen. And you start from scratch. And if they don't have the balls to do that, then they're not going to be able to make a decent movie. That just all that makes me imagine is that somewhere there should be a TV series that's a joke about if you could go back in time and people actually do their jobs, and that when you know that you just see them finish reading it, and the one guy just goes "fuck you," Martha, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. my ass, get out of my fucking office. But that's what should have happened, and it's it blows my mind how much studios interfere with movies. But not at the script writing stage when you can fix the whole thing. <laughs> like you could have, like you know, because sometimes in movies you hear. I almost, oh, I almost want to believe that scene was filmed in secret. Like the director didn't tell him what he was going to do. He's like, they're going to love this. I don't need. Okay. Uh, let me play the other side though. What if the Martha scene was a studio note? No. No. I don't know. Yeah, no, that's, no, possible. that's possible. No, it's no because nobody who's a studio head who would have allowed that movie to get made can possibly know enough about comics to know <laughs> that both of their moms are named Martha. Fair uh, point. Fair see, point. <laughs> see, that's where I find you to be wrong because I could totally see some studio executive sitting there and like reading the script and realizing it. And he's like, both of their moms' names are Martha. Oh man, I've got great notes for this one. <laughs> No, I, 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 uh, I don't know. Mm. So much was wrong with that movie. Here, here, I fucking go again. But <laughs> we cannot so talk about this again. So much was wrong with that movie, but that scene epitomizes why it, there won't be a, a really genuinely good DC movie until they get a hard reboot and a whole new group of people involved. I still keep getting told that Aquaman was good, but uh, I'm not gonna. I'm not I don't gonna trust it. that. Aquaman, people who tell me Aquaman was good are people who tell me that the Fast and the Furious movies are good. And it's like, maybe they're good on that level. Uh, 
Yeah. No, I don't like. I don't like that comparison. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't at all want to be in that discussion. So, okay, that's a whole different audience than me, I guess. Yeah. Mm. Just... I, I I was once asked who was better, Vin Diesel or The Rock, in the Fast and the Furious movies, and I do believe my response was, "Why are you talking to me?" <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was I was on a bus once and one of the Fast and Furious I don't know which one Fast and Furious movie was playing and I wasn't listening to it I had earbuds in but I could see it and there's a scene where the rocks in the hospital and he has like casts on and he I guess he decides it's time to get up and go fight Vin Diesel so he flexes so hard that the cast falls off and my friend was asleep in the seat beside me and I had to wake him up to complain about how stupid that was <laughs> and like we, this is not a friend who wanted to talk about movies at any point in time it's a friend who chose to go to sleep while the movie was playing and I woke him up to be like you don't believe how stupid this is and he's like are you watching this I'm like I'm trying not to important follow up they play movies on buses yeah well yeah, on, on long bus trips yeah like a coach bus, and not like a city bus and it's not speed i mean they don't just force <laughs> you to watch speed on every single because if i owned that bus company every motherfucker going anywhere would be forced to watch speed on repeat i yeah. think the tour company that had rec- that had uh, booked the bus for the weekend had uh, brought their own videos yeah that would have been amazing it would be <laughs> hilarious to make people we watch brought- we brought our own movies. Uh, no, sir. No. This is this is speed buses. We watch speed. Now you sit down and you enjoy the charm of Keanu Reeves. You piece of shit. But but what about speed two, sir? Get the fuck off my bus. <laughs> Look, if you want just, to charter a boat, you you charter a boat. <laughs> I was getting ready to say, just wait till you get the to the ferry because this is going to get weird. <laughs> then you have to take the puddle jumper where we only show snakes on a plane. <laughs> How the hell is snakes on a plane not on our to watch list? <laughs> I don't know. I've never seen it. Really? Yeah. I've only seen it the, in theaters and then four or five times at home. So. <laughs> oh, <that's it. laughs> Well, should we talk about something positive? At least positive in my eyes. Like like evil dolls? Well, I was going to say the new Critters trailer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. baby. Um, so I knew they were thinking about making a Critters TV show. I didn't realize it had even been filmed yet. And here I am, sitting in 2019, and it's only three weeks away from being available for me to watch we live in the future we live in the future to spring it on you like that isn't it it makes it yeah it's almost more fun than if they you'd like followed it along the production oh yeah i I can that too i was gonna say i can say almost i like every second of that trailer with only two exceptions Mm -hmm. because you see what i'm assuming is a bounty hunter transformation scene that looks Bad, bad, yeah. bad, bad. In which it's going to be on Sci-Fi, right? Shutter. 
Shutter? Oh, that's even more disappointing. Because that transformation looks fucking terrible. Well, I mean, they they bought it after it was finished. So, I mean, they probably didn't have any say in that. Yeah, it looked it looked like an asylum movie bad. Probably. But some of the acting I thought was pretty bad too. And then at one point, I'm pretty sure it shows a critter talk with like a human voice. That was a little upsetting. Yeah. Mm. That I don't I don't know if I, I approve of that. But there's a whole that. bunch of there's a whole bunch of critters falling out of the spaceship and somebody's like, There's giant furry balls falling from the sky. <laughs> And we see the return of the critter ball. I I was gonna say, and all of the like gore effects and stuff it shows look like it's straight out of a uh, '90s straight to video horror movie, and it looks consistent. Is what I like, which is great. I like the fact that it looks like a critter movie for the most part. Like I said, that that bounty hunter transformation scene, for the fact that in the original movies it was just kind of like glow and done. Instead of bad CGI electricity or whatever the fuck they were trying to do in that trailer, well, it looks like it's all glitchy. Like, like he's using more of like a hologram thing, and it's malfunctioning than anything else. And I don't, which is think, also disappointing. And I don't think I saw Uncle Charlie. Well, no, because he's presumably frozen in a space pod somewhere. Better bring back Charlie, goddamn it. <laughs> But the critters look good. Critters do exciting. look good. Yeah. I can't wait. March 21st, exclusively on Shutter. <laughs> I wonder if clear. it's going to pop up somewhere easy for me to watch here with it. I'm going to get that. <laughs> so did it say, I, I still don't get it. Is it a TV show or is it a... Uh... It's eight episodes. Okay, so it's like a mini series kind of thing. Yeah. I don't know how long. Like I don't know if it'll be half hour or an hour. I'm assuming half an hour. Doesn't, doesn't matter. I think they're going to go with the Ash vs. Evil Dead probably uh, format. I think a half an hour is the right way to yeah. go. Yeah. Um, not that they couldn't make a good hour-long show, but I think with a good hour-long show, you're going to need intelligent human characters to take up some of the screen time, and I don't mm-hmm. think anybody has that much interest in showing those. Mm-hmm. So, See, I would almost rather just have a four, two-hour miniseries-esque episodes, but that's just me. You want, like, this to be one movie that takes eight hours, but it's pretty pretty much. I don't know. Like old TV, the old TV miniseries. I really like those, where it's like two hours split over a few days. Yeah, I just don't know if it's gonna work for Critters, per se. I think it works for everything. <laughs> name one. Name one. I dare you. Bad miniseries. It's never happened in the history of TV. Langoliers? Oh, fuck. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> you know how bad the Langoliers was? That was going to be my example, too. <laughs> and I never saw the whole thing. I only watched the first half of that and never went back to it. And it's got a couple really good actors in it, and it was still really bad. Wasn't like Gary Sinise in it? No, he was in the stand. Stand? I so well I remember the Langoliers. Uh Bronson Pinchot. Nice. He was in it. Dean Stockwell. That one guy that you, if you saw him, you'd be like, Oh, it's that one guy. And then like you'd forget, like you don't know what his name is. That guy is in it. Okay. I know who you mean. 
<laughs> you do know who he means. Yeah, I just don't know his name. I can't say it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I, I was going to say, even even with my love of B-movie actors, and I've seen a million movies with him in it, I still can't fucking remember his name. The big movie I remember him from is uh, Long Kiss Goodnight. <laughs> Plays, uh, I don't know, the guy at the farm that kidnaps both of them. I've never seen The Long Kiss Goodnight. Oh, uh, we are doing that on the show. It's so good. Is it Gina Davis and Samuel L. Jackson? You're damn right it is. Doesn't seem like it belongs on this show. <laughs> it's uh, like secret agent type stuff. We could do a secret agent episode. All right. I don't. I don't think I ever intentionally didn't see that movie. I just didn't see that movie, and eventually I hadn't seen that movie for so long that it stopped being a movie I thought about. David Morse is the guy that I was thinking of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's who I met. Are you sending us a picture of the guy so I can actually find out who you're talking about? Uh, the link to his IMDb. Yeah. Uh, I gotta read who he is. No, you could just look at the picture and be like, "Oh yeah, that guy." I would have to push a button to see the picture. You should have just sent me a picture. Apparently, he was also in the Green. Oh Man. yeah, that guy. Okay. Hurt Locker, World War Z. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he's kind of a mixed bag kind of actor because Green Mile, pretty good. Hurt Locker, mm-hmm. pretty good. World War Z, complete and utter garbage. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I think we've dedicated enough of our podcast to the David Morse discussion. <laughs> well, I'm not sure how that happened. Well, what movies did you pick for this episode, Doug? Oh, it's uh, it's Killer Toys Week. Oh. And the demonic toys are our topic of discussion. So why did you pick these? Other than just their full moon killer toy movies. I, you know what? I didn't even think about the fact that they were both full moon until I went to watch them. Um, and it's literally Puppet Master was a favorite of mine back in the day. And I kind of wondered whether it should be or not. <laughs> like, it's been a long time since I watched Puppet Master, and I know I've got the DVD, so I should rewatch it. Plus, I think the odds are actually in your favor. If you pick a movie with tiny monsters in it, got about a 50-50 shot of hitting a full moon movie. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. and then Demonic Toys is just one of those movies that it's like it blows my mind that I've never seen it. I don't know how a movie about killer toys came out in 1992 and I did not rent it. So I just felt like I needed to fix that and they go well together. Well, this is actually the first time I saw Demonic Toys as well. Yeah. It's, it was like I, tr- I was trying to explain it to myself as I was watching the movie. I'm like, how didn't I rent this? And I like Googled the box art to see if it was really bad box art. I'm like, no, it's pretty cool box art. I should have rented this. The only thing I can think of is that when this was a new release movie, I was going straight to the horror section and not bothering to look at the new releases <laughs> and renting just old horror movies. I think, I think part of the problem with uh, Demonic Toys ended up being that a lot of people don't ever see it because their first exposure to it is from the later weird crossover movies where they're fucking terrible. That was me. First one I saw was Dollman versus Demonic Toys. Yeah, bad. I, I remember nothing about it. And then the only other one I've ever seen is Puppet Master versus Demonic Toys, which is god awful. Yeah, I, I 
couldn't make it through that one. It's it's almost worth just fast forwarding to the uh, Corey Feldman scenes, just just to watch him and go, "What in the fuck?" <laughs> like that was a real moment in time for me where I remember seeing Corey Feldman doing that and realizing, like, oh, like some people are just actors because it's their job. Like they do just do what they have to do for the money. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's, it was one of those, like if that's the job you can get, that's the job you can get type moments. And like, even though he's been famous for decades, still just taking the job you can get. Cause beats going to a cubicle, I guess. Like, and I, I know after watching that movie, you guys both uh, desperately needed to do a deep dive into the story and history of that film but on the dvd of it there actually is like a making of and the part with Corey feldman in it like breaks your heart because he's taking that role so fucking seriously and demanding they do shot after shot after shot that he can get it right and the end result is hot garbage like (laughs) It's sad. Yeah, yeah, it really is. It really is sad. I always use that movie as an example of what I say. Like somehow, Corey Feldman has become a worse actor the older he's gotten, and yeah. that doesn't make any goddamn sense. You're supposed to get better the more times you keep doing stuff. Well, you know what's really sad about that movie overall is like I think the Demonic Toys franchise was only invented for the purposes of that movie. Because when you look at it, it's like Puppet Master comes out in like 89. And then Puppet Master 2 comes out in 1990. And then like Puppet Master 3 that comes out around this time is a prequel, right? So it's like they didn't want to mess with the timeline. Like they were trying to set up Puppet Master versus Demonic Toys. They just had to establish the Demonic Toys first. And it's sort of a Freddy versus Jason scenario where it just took years to get the script right, except this in this case, it's just an abysmal failure. <laughs> so it's like this really sad, sad story of them making demonic toys as a franchise just to get to that crossover film, and then the crossover film is such a failure. Again, I haven't even seen the whole thing, so maybe it gets better in the second half. I don't know. <laughs> well, Noah, you would probably know this. Uh, wasn't there some weird time period where Full Moon had like licensed out Puppet Master or something, so they couldn't even make like? If if Puppet I remember Master right, movies? and that's how you get all the fucking weird ones, like uh, oh, what the fuck, like Retro Puppet Master, where they like redesigned all of them, yeah. And, and yeah, yeah, it got real fucking weird. And then it had got optioned for a remake, and if I remember right, the remake never actually even fucking happened. It just got tied up forever. I think so, and I think that's how it ended up reverting back to being like the original series again. Yeah. Yeah, I think the end result was uh, uh, Little is Right, but mm-hmm. I mean, and that came from what was supposed to be a big budget reboot of Puppet Master. That's madness that that, like, it's a great movie, don't get me wrong, I love Little is Right, but mm-hmm. but the fact that the what they ended up with and what they set out to do are so phenomenally different things. Yeah. Again, e- even on like the low level studio system, it's like even Full Moon Entertainment, it's like things are so weird how they play out. <laughs> it's, it's like like a little microcosm of what happens in big Hollywood. But... Yeah, I think I think things went wrong around uh, 
the release of Puppet Master 2, because I think Charles Payne was like, oh my god, we've got a hit. How am I going to ride this shit <laughs> to the ground? Well, and that that's pretty much what I'm saying, is I think that that's when Puppet Master 2 came out, that's when Demonic Toys was the next one to come out, and I think the logic was we can eventually cross these over. I think he was Almost building there. a shared cinematic universe long before Marvel was. I can't believe we haven't had, like, Evil Bong versus puppet master or something yet well yeah, they, yeah, they have you better ginger, copyright that idea quickly they, <laughs> had, they had ginger dead man versus uh evil ball yeah they they did <laughs> fucking gary Busey. i don't even think it's gary Busey at this point i assume not it might not even be jake Busey anymore <laughs> uh, well, Noah, Noah, why don't you tell us about demonic toys uh, so Demonic Toys is about a weird demon child thing living underneath the floor of a warehouse. Uh, a cop is attempting to do a sting on some bad guys. Her partner gets shot. He dies. Very sad. Chases them through the warehouse. Shoots another guy. He wanders into a room full of toys, falls on the ground, starts bleeding, and his blood awakens the demon who possesses the toys, and the toys start to... Uh, attack everyone, and basically they menace a warehouse full of her, the bad guy, the pizza delivery guy, essentially, and a random homeless girl who shows up out of nowhere from inside of a vent halfway through the movie. <laughs> okay, two corrections to your plot description. One, she's not homeless, she lives in the vent. The vent is her home. <laughs> You're correct. Two, she's, he's a chicken delivery guy. <laughs> I said essentially pizza delivery. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Close other, enough for porn. Other than that, pretty much you just gave a, a proper plot description. Yeah. And, I mean, and eventually we get to find out that the entire purpose of the movie is basically that demon wants to crawl up in her vagina, eat her baby's soul, and be born into this world. Yep. And there's a weird, like paradox where the demon was awoken by the blood that only happened because she was in the building but the demon was getting into her dreams before she shot that guy and the blood came and he apparently lured her there which makes no sense I think they're trying to say he had enough power to lure them there but it was the blood that's making him more powerful enough to do things. Mm -hmm. Did it's I mention this movie ends with her unborn child having a sword fight with a demon? Did did we say that? We haven't gotten there yet. <laughs> You're jumping ahead. Noah. Did, did we mention that everything you just said is from a script by David S. Goyer of the Dark Knight fame? <laughs> <laughs> so, it's possible that he was getting a little ahead of himself and writing scripts that were a little too complicated for the filmmakers at Full Moon Entertainment to accomplish. <laughs> so I'm not, I'm not sure what we should broach first on this, how fantastically fucking weird this movie is. Like, why voice over the kid through the entire movie? I don't... Kids are naturally freaky. Mm-hmm. And that kid didn't seem like he was a bad actor, so unless he had a weird Mickey Mouse voice or something. Well, the, the logic was that then you could have him shapeshift and the same voice would come out of the different beings, right? 
which they didn't use that much throughout the movie, but they did do it a couple of times. I, I suppose, but really you don't need it. It could still be the freaky kid voice coming out of the other forms, and that would be freakier. I don't know. I, I thought that really worked. I really liked the demon-y voice coming out of the kid. I thought, I don't know how they did that, if they had the kid trying to match up the words, or if they just had the kid say the words and then dub them over. That's but, what I was wondering, because I was really impressed with how well it synced up. Yeah, like I, I was really impressed with it, and I thought it worked really well. Like I, I didn't find it weird at all. I found it creepy as shit. Okay. And when I, I say that, I was impressed, I I'm saying like on a level of a full moon movie, <laughs> yeah, well, I was okay. shocked that this worked as well yeah. as it did. If I went into a three hundred million dollar Marvel movie and they used this same effect, I would not be blown away. Yeah, this is what but, Thanos sounds like. Yeah, but in in a nineteen ninety two direct video full moon entertainment movie. I was very happy with that effect. I thought it worked. And I'll say that about almost all of the effects in the movie, really. I thought a lot of the like the moving toys looked pretty cool. The one that could shoot lasers, they didn't look cartooned on. Uh, yeah, I, I think out of all the toys, the only complaint I have is, uh, what's his name, Little Baby Oopsie? Yeah. That voice. Who the fuck decided to put that voice on that doll? Because that doll whenever it's not talking, is legitimately terrifying. Those facial animatronics are fucking yeah. freaky. Especially after it's been, like, attacked and it's, like, face is falling apart. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. The I kind of had a problem with the voice for the Jack in the Box. I had, uh... Because the Jack in the Box looks so awesome that I feel like if you got a good, like, deep, modulated voice, like, laughing over top of it, yeah. it could be really creepy. And it was just, I think, sound like some like production assistant they just had laugh into a microphone. I think the a problem part. with both of those voices is that they weren't quite ready to commit to this being a horror film, mm. and they were trying to add a little bit of a, a lighter tone through those characters. Yeah, like almost like they create. Somebody said to like the special effects department, "Go create us a creepy doll," and they brought it back, and they're like, "Oh." You really took that creepy doll thing to heart, eh? Like that's a little creepier than we were anticipating. So they kind of went with okay let's let's see if we can add a little a couple of funny lines of dialogue here and there and you know use a, a bit of a lighter tone for the voices and i i personally would prefer if they leaned into the whole yeah i would say upon rewatching it i was i was kind of struck with the fact that do you guys think uh the director of krampus might have seen this and taken a couple notes yes oh, yeah. <laughs> i think it's very plausible um, you know, whether whether it's a direct influence or an indirect influence, you can't deny that this thing does some of the stuff that Krampus does and just does it earlier. Right, right. Especially, like, even the jack-in-the-box clown being, a like, a snake-esque creature. Yeah, no, yeah, I was thinking about that as well. Is It's, like, the jack-in-the-box specifically reminded me a lot of the one in Krampus. I thought the teddy bear, too. I haven't seen Krampus in a while, but teddy bear kind of reminded me of something out of Krampus. Um, mm. So I'm thinking, like, this is 25 years before or whatever. Like, you can't really argue which one stole which of the ideas from where. Um, and this isn't an unknown movie. Like, lots of people would have seen it. So these ideas were definitely out there. Yeah, I agree. Uh, anybody else catch Puppet Master 2 playing on the TV in the background for a couple scenes? Yeah. <laughs> I'm waiting. I want to. Uh, I got to rewatch Puppet Master versus Demonic Toys so I find the clever dialogue they use to explain how that movie can exist in <laughs> both the 
events are real. Well, the killings were real. So in the in the Puppet Master universe, someone made a movie based off the killings that happened. Is that how they explain it? I don't know. Let's go with that's how they explain it. I'm so saying you guys the movie again. I probably came up with a better explanation than they did. You guys know how much I love garbage, and even I'm not watching that again. Oh, me neither. I used to own it, and I watched it. And I'm like, this is, this is taking up precious airspace in my house, and I got rid of it. <laughs> All right, let's get back to talking about the good. Was <laughs> it good? All right, that's a fair question. Um, I'm, not say, I'm not saying it wasn't. I'm just asking the question. No, I know, and it's a legitimate question that we should be trying to answer, and it's a hard one with this movie because, like, look, the acting is bad. Um, the plot is—it's not a terrible idea for a plot, but I do feel like we had a lot of trouble explaining how the demon could have been in that woman's head and yet awaken only awoken by the time she got there. Right. And it gets—it does get unfortunately rapey at the end of the movie. Which was kind of unnecessary. Uh, yeah, but if we didn't have the demon wanting to impregnate her, then we wouldn't have got the cool birth scene where the actual demon was born from that woman in the flashback, and the actual body of the demon was buried by those children, which was <laughs> friggin' awesome. Um, I love the fact that those kids were like, oh, this looks and weighs as much as a wrapped up baby. Ah! <laughs> That's so weird. I'm still trying to come up with an answer to this. Is this a good movie question? <laughs> and we just talked about that demon baby, and that is heavily weighing me towards yes. Uh, <laughs> like, almost all of the killer toys are cool. Probably my least favorite one was like the giant teddy bear the end that the guy had to blow up with a car oh yeah but then we got to watch a guy blow it up with a car which was pretty cool and it was the most realistic thing i've ever seen in a movie i can't believe this movie is the first one that did it was when he shoots the gas tank to the car car doesn't explode gas just starts to leak out and then he lights that gas on fire <laughs> which is like actually what would happen if you shot a gas tank of a car with a shotgun <laughs> so i thought that was that was interesting that they went realistic for that two seconds um but yeah, I think overall, I have to say this is a good movie just because the creepy dream sequences were neat. The dolls were all cool. The fucking the, the demon baby was awesome. So yeah, I can get, I can settle in for some '90s acting if we get to see all this other stuff. I'll watch this again one day. Uh, yeah, the uh, I do love the opening discussion between the two cops. That was terrible. <laughs> it was so bad. It was atrocious. First of all, like they were cops the minute they showed up on screen, which was supposed to be a twist, I think. But yeah. no, like yeah, like dialogue between human characters in this movie was not the not movie strong suit. But they didn't waste too much time on it either. Like that. Oh no, that, that dude just gets shot like right away, and then it's like, yeah. okay, now we're into the toy uh, warehouse. Yeah, it's. Yeah. I, I kind of wonder if this this movie wasn't, uh, you know, I, we're we're talking about David Goyer, but I don't. I honestly, I think it was whoever did the special effects for this movie. I'm assuming was pretty much in charge of everything because uh, all the stuff with special effects in it is really good, and everything else is bad. 
Well, I think I think like David Goyer gave them a script, and then the effects guys were in charge of making that come to life. And then, because it's a full moon movie, the final edit results in highlighting the special effects and reducing the storyline, which is again probably the right move to do here because if like if that script had more conversations between the humans to make them seem like more real characters then i think that would make this movie worse because no nobody in the movie can act like at all like oh i shouldn't say that like the the female cop who's like the main character she can do the scared to death of the dolls thing pretty well she couldn't play a tough guy cop and she couldn't do the uh when they tried to give her like an emotional breakdown moment where the demon took on her former lover's form, it was like you wanted to laugh at her while she, well, you're supposed to feel bad for her, which is unfortunate. Um, but she could do she could do the running away from killer toys pretty well. Uh, interestingly enough, David Goyer was supposed to direct this movie, but then they ended up bringing the other guy in. Okay. Doesn't really say why. But I'm assuming it's because he was being a massive dick and everyone hated him. That's possible. I say this because David Goyer's a massive dick and everyone hates him. <laughs> well, here we go. John Carl Buechler did the toy design. Okay. Do you know what John Carl Buechler is famous for? Oh, but I'm going to feel bad for not knowing it once you say uh, it. He's a big special effects guy, but he famously directed Friday 13th Part 7 which I feel had the best-looking Jason in it. Yes, it did. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, you, Part 7 has its merits, but I don't think anybody's really going to argue that, that was the coolest-looking Jason. Yeah. Well, best-looking best zombie Jason. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, because human Jason wasn't very hard to design, I don't think. Yeah. Just get a guy, have him be a guy. Just take Sloth from the Goonies and put him in that movie. <laughs> hey, you guys! <laughs> Stab! <laughs> that line of dialogue would have only worked in part three. Um, anyways, back to this movie. <laughs> what, so I, I spent ten minutes trying to answer the question, is this a good movie? What what do you what would either one of you say to that? Uh, I don't think it's... I'm not going to say it's a great movie, but it's uh, definitely an enjoyable movie. So yeah. I would say that makes it a good movie. Yeah, I would I would say de- it depends on which definition of good movie you're using. Because uh, if, if we're saying good movie like Texas Chainsaw Massacre is a good movie, then no, this is not a good movie. But as far as like a straight to video full moon movie, it's a great movie. Yeah, and I mean, like, Anybody who's going to be watching this now has to understand that there was a period, the you know very late '80s and early '90s, where a lot of direct-to-video horror movies came out because somebody just finally figured out, hey, we can produce these things for a pretty low budget, put them straight on video store shelves, and make a significant profit. And and his name was Charles Band. Yeah, like. One of, like if there was two movies coming out every week, one of them was from Full Moon Entertainment, and that's you know at the time, yeah, the acting was bad, but it was this or go home and watch TV, and the TV acting wasn't better. So <laughs> you know we uh, 
in in if you're a fan of this type of movie, if you liked watching these direct video movies in in the early '90s, all of the complaints we have apply to all of the movies that came out in that time frame. So it's really hard to complain about them. And uh, I think if you choose to watch them, this is definitely a fun. Uh, interesting thing: the lead actress yeah. returned in Dollman versus Demonic Toys, playing the same character. Look at that. So there's some continuity after all. Yeah. Did you guys pick up on the fact that they were trying to make her into like a girl version of Ash? They even gave her like the blue shirt with the one sleeve ripped off and the muscular arm sticking out. Oh, I didn't even notice. Yeah. I, I thought it was probably intentional. It's hard to imagine that the people who would make this movie hadn't seen Evil Dead 2. I'm just assuming. <laughs> oh, anything else? Uh, anybody have a favorite toy? Uh, the baby creeped me out, so I'm gonna yeah. that one. Yeah, I don't know, cause cause that baby's the, the facial expressions on that fucking baby doll are freaky deaky. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I I do like the the clown snake, even though it's super fucking annoying at points in the movie. But yeah, fair. But probably the I'll go clown snake. Clown snake, yeah. See. I, I will say the one that actually intimidated me was the the robot one because it was the only one that could shoot you from a distance, and I kept thinking like that baby. If somebody would just kick that baby, it's probably you'll probably be fine. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, but yeah, the robot that could shoot you with lasers, which didn't really make a lot of sense because why was the toy designed with lasers built into it? But whatever. And I did think the bear looked pretty cool, but it didn't. It didn't have as much of a character as some of the other toys did, so that was unfortunate. Well, until it turned into Super Bear. Yeah. Super Bear. Which is the part I didn't really like about it. I was glad they blew it up once it was Super Bear. Yeah, but all in all, pretty good. I think the funny thing is the at the end, whenever you see like adult version of the demon, he's by far the least intimidating thing in the entire movie. Oh yeah. Uh, other other than being a menacing rapist. Yeah, I mean, he's pretty standard fare for direct-to-video demons, I thought. I did think that it was really interesting the way they wrote in the... So the ending, spoiler alert, has, like, the woman's dream from the beginning was about two kids playing cards, and it turns out those two kids are the soul of her baby and the soul of this demon battling it out for possession of her womb. (laughs) And soul of her baby like comes in and kills the fucking demon and so yeah you have like kids sword fighting which you know maybe difficult to get kids to properly sword fight on a direct-to-video budget but I I thought that played out pretty well and was kind of an interesting little twist you know I I I enjoyed all I I enjoyed pretty much everything about this movie and and by playing cards we probably should establish the fact that they're playing war the worst card game. <laughs> but for kids in the early 90s, it was probably a very common one to be playing. Because it was like you were allowed to play it at elementary school. Yeah, that's until, true. Until, until the first two kids got into a fist fight over it, and then everybody was banned from it. Which I assume just happened in every elementary school one at the time. It would have been far more hilarious, but way more weird if they had been playing like Magic the Gathering. <laughs> Would that have existed in 92? Yes, it would have. All right. 
Um, well, I guess moving on from toys, do we want to talk about some puppets? Doug, you want to tell us about uh, Puppet Master? All right. So Puppet Master opens up, uh, when is it, like 1939 or something? Mm -hmm. uh, old uh, hotel. There's a Puppet Master there who has managed to bring all of his puppets to life. And some evil-looking guys are coming looking for him. So he stashes the puppets away and puts a, puts a bullet through his head. Because that's how you handle things. <laughs> In present day... <laughs> which is my favorite part about this movie because it's clearly not present day. It's clearly 1989. But uh, <laughs> there are four psychics who each receive messages through their assorted powers to uh, that basically calls them back to this uh, same hotel. They get there and they find out that their former colleague has died. And uh, it turns out he... It's, it's kind of complicated, but the colleagues are, uh, they're, they're all in this place doing their psychic thing, and the puppets are running around, and eventually it comes out that this guy had sort of uh, brought them all there to be killed off, with the goal of having himself be resurrected using the same magic that the puppet master had used to resurrect the toys. Um, when this happens, though, he's kind of a dick to the puppets, and so they turn on him, and kill him, and that's about it, plot-wise. It's really almost a slasher film with puppets as the slasher, mm -hmm. uh, which I guess we all know that I'm going to recommend the film based on me saying that. Because, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, like you, you can get into that plot all you want. You can talk about the fact that there's psychics. You can talk about the fact that the movie ends with the. Uh, taxidermy dog coming back to life and whether that was supposed to be a sequel set up or what was going to happen. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. But at the end of the day, yeah, like, this is a movie about people in a giant hotel and there's killer puppets running around taking them out while they all try to solve a mystery. So what did you think? Did it hold up to your childhood memories of it or is it kind of a bummer now? It held up way better than I expected. <sighs> Um, so first of all, in my head, I assumed that the puppets coming to life was going to be part of the mystery. And I really liked that they just had the puppets alive and wandering around in the opening scenes of the movie. I thought that was a, a nice touch. And then, uh, the biggest thing is like, I, rem I remembered a lot of like the kills, like those are, that's what stuck out in my head as like, and they pretty much happened as I remembered them, which made me smile a lot but what I really thought worked was the atmosphere of the movie like it's really creepy and weird when they're all like walking around this old hotel and there's like a scene where they're all gathered around the body of the, the guy who called them there and the one chick just like pulls out a thing and like stabs him through the heart and they're like what are you doing just making sure he's dead like he says he is like <laughs> shit like that creeped me out when I was a kid and I thought the atmosphere <laughs> held up and I think like the movie kind of relies more on atmosphere than I expected it to because if it is just about the kills there is way too much time in between them yeah, yeah apparently there's only like five minutes of screen time for the puppets yeah. the entire movie. 
which I mean it it would have been very difficult to do these puppets. I mean, the stop motion that they had to do to make these things look alive um, would have been difficult to pull off on a direct-to-video budget in 1989. So I imagine that's why they had the that's why they had the limited screen time. But all the puppets end up looking cool. Um, the kills are all fun, and like I say, in between the atmosphere, I thought was genuinely a little creepy. And a little bit off-putting. I thought having everybody be a psychic, I'd completely forgotten that anybody in this movie was a psychic. <laughs> like, but having that element, I thought was that yeah, was just like a fun little twist on the slasher. Why not have all those slasher victims be psychics instead of teenagers? So what did you guys think? I, I don't know where you guys stood on this movie coming in. Were you fans? Or- I, I only watch it occasionally. Over <laughs> and over again. <laughs> so you mean like every other day? The first... The first two. I really... The first two Puppet Master movies, I fucking... I love those movies. The rest of them are okay. Uh, the the very, very later ones are not that good. Uh, but, yeah. Yeah, I'm a fan of the first five. And then after that, I'm just like... Shit's ridiculous. The biggest problem is I'm kind of a continuity snob. Like, I like when sequels make sense. And there's some stuff I'm able to forgive throughout the first five, but then after that, it just completely goes off the rails. They seem to not be able to make up their mind as to whether or not Andre Toulon is a bad guy or not. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes he's a good guy. Sometimes he's he's a horrible person who abuses his puppets. They can never make up their mind. Yeah, I always thought the first movie made it pretty clear that he loved the puppets. Oh yeah, like like he kills himself in the opening scenes of this movie to protect the puppets, mm-hmm. um, which is you know to turn around and make movies where he mistreats those puppets seems like it's betraying that base character that the whole series stems from. Right. I would say my only my only complaint, and I only have one about the first Puppet Master movie, is I feel like it takes it's got like a real slow start to it. Yeah. Yeah, it is a lot slower than you remember. I do think that sometimes I kind of get them mixed up and that the other ones are actually a little, you know, a little faster, faster pace. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, the Puppet Master movies are great. And then I go rewatch the first one. I'm like, oh, that's right. This one's actually kind of kind of a slower, slower movie than the other one. It's weird. Like, this one is actually like a horror movie that's trying to be a scary movie, mm-hmm. um, which is like then the other ones become in that slasher genre of just like line people up and have them killed off and a lot more slapsticky humor and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, yeah, this first one, it's a little bit like watching the first child's play where it's like, you know, things move along pretty slowly at the beginning. <laughs> you know, yeah. you guys, you guys have a favorite puppet. <sighs> well, I mean, the easy answer is blade because blade looks awesome. Yeah. Yeah. But I was always a big fan of uh, Six Shooter, but he's not in this movie. Right. Um, I guess I'll say Jester. Jester. I I would argue if we're if we're basing it on like which puppet is actually like the freakiest, mm-hmm. this leech is fucking terrifying. <laughs> yes, <Yeah. sir. laughs> Just so much, so much more so than the rest of them. And it's like, oh, that one's got a hook and a blade. Yeah, yeah. Fuck him. She vomits leeches. 
she, she, she throws up a leech into a guy's mouth? Yep. Oh. And that scene where she takes that guy out, and he's all, like, uh, in case people didn't rewatch the movie to prepare for our podcast, he's all tied up because of a weird sex game he's playing with his girlfriend. And uh, girlfriend gets taken out by whatever the guy with the drill for it is. Finally. So but when, when, when she shows up and starts spitting leeches on him, and at first he thinks it's part of a fun sex game, and all of a sudden he realizes he's being bitten by leeches. It's like, that is just a genuinely horrifying situation. I mean, not that any one of us are likely to find ourselves in that situation in our lives, but can you even imagine? No. And if everybody remembers correctly, isn't Toulon's wife like her spirit trapped in that doll or whatever? I think so. Like he transferred, like she was dying and he transferred her into the Mrs. Leech body. So apparently he's like, here, here's a body where you can now spit leeches onto everybody because I love you so much. It is a little weird. Like it's, she's the only one that has this sort of magic power other than being an alive puppet. Mm. But she's the only one that can spit up live leeches. You know, they, I don't know where she's getting them. Whereas the other people are all just using their physical abilities. The well, one that although although for some reason, uh, Pinhead is super strong. For yeah, yeah, but no his way. arms are his arms are full human sized arms, even though they're on a puppet. So imagine how much you have to work out to get your arms to be that big compared to your body. Yeah, but does strong too? Does this being being bigger automatically make you stronger? If you have bigger arms, I think you're stronger. I mean, rule of thumb. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Hey, Noah. Noah. He's he's a fucking puppet. (laughs) You're right. You're right. I'm sorry. By ancient Egyptian magic. (laughs) Yeah. They did... They did hint at it is based on the old uh, mummification thing, which we talked about when we did uh, uh, that anthology movie with. Yeah, they 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 mentioned the pulling the brain out through the nose. I'm like, nice. They actually did a little bit of research. (laughs) Well, apparently, this director, David Schmolier, I don't know. He. he says he actually tried to make a good movie, which I would say he did. Yeah. Um, but then Charles Band never asked him to come back to do another one because he didn't want anybody else's to get credit for the Puppet Master series, even though other people did direct them. But he makes it sound like Charles Band was just not really like that interested in this movie. Like they were putting it out and stuff, but he wasn't really like invested in it. And then it made a lot of money, and suddenly, it's like the only thing that fucking is puppet master. Yeah, pretty much. I mean that that rings true. I think. I mean, it's kind of like even demonic toys. If you like go through the credits, it's like there's two writers on it. It's like David S. Goyer did the script, but it's based on an idea by Charles Band, and it's like mm. your idea was to do killer toys three years after your company produced a movie about killer puppets. I don't know if you can really use the term original idea by... Which you have to remember was set two years after they made a movie called Dolls that was directed by Stuart Gordon. Right. 
I also like the fact that Charles Band does things like going, hey, I've got an empty hotel that I own that doesn't have any heat or power, but you guys can totally shoot a movie here. And everybody's like, yeah. And he's like, I'm putting my name on the movie. This is my thing. <laughs> Which, again, like, yeah, whatever. I, I, getting involved in all the behind-the-scenes stuff is not relevant. The, the fact here remains that this is a good movie. And I would go as far as to say, like, for our previous discussion about the different types of good, this is an actual good movie. I think most of this acting is better than you would expect from a 1989 directed video movie. I think the effects hold up really well. I think the atmosphere works. I think I think the you know the storyline makes as much sense as it possibly could, given <laughs> the topic. Um, I mean, I'm sure you can punch holes in it somewhere along the line, somewhere between the psychics showing up at the abandoned hotel and the Nazi dolls murdering them during their sex games. But, you know, I, I think it, I think this is an actual good movie and I'm kind of surprised to be saying that. Like I thought I'd be saying, Oh, I had fun watching it. Oh, I have a lot of nostalgia for it. But I think if I was watching this for the first time today, I'd be seeking out the sequels. Mm. Yeah. I think, I think it's legitimately good. I think two is legitimately good. Three, maybe. And then the rest of them I would call fun movies, but they're not. Yeah. And I, like, I'm hit or miss on which I've even seen. as cause I, Because I liked this movie so much in 1989, by like the mid-90s when the you know, lesser sequels were coming out, I was like offended by the fact that they were going more comedy route and refused to watch them. <laughs> Because I was really pretentious when I was younger. But yeah. they have a teeny tiny transdimensional demon. I know. I like parts four and five. You could suck it. You would. So do I. <laughs> fun. I really do think I should get back around to watching them and seeing if you know if I would enjoy them now. Yeah, it's worth a watch. I think the so the worst thing about the uh, the Puppet Master series is. They were fucking terrible at naming the puppets. <laughs> I just don't well, like the puppets. Don't need names. That's the thing. Yeah, but it's a horror franchise, and they have names because they have toys. You know what I mean? And like Blade, okay, Blade, good name. He's got he's mm -hmm. got a little razor. Miss Leech, okay, that's that's fine. But Pinhead. Come on now. There's already another famous horror thing named Pinhead. That's a bad idea. That'll cause confusion. And then you name him Tunneler when clearly his name should be Drill Sergeant. <laughs> clearly. And they actually fixed that in one of the later movies. Because I think it's Retro Puppet Master. The, uh, the retro version of him is named Drill Sergeant. So I never saw that one. You're right. His name should be Drill Sergeant. Yeah. I mean, you're totally spot on. But for the purposes of our discussion, they had no names in this movie. Because did they? Did Bullshit! Did watch the trailer. Oh, really? Yep. Well, I did not watch the trailer because my bare bones DVD did not have a trailer on it. Okay. <laughs> it had play and chapter selection. <laughs> wow. Is that like listed on the back like animated menu? <laughs> It did not have an animated menu. <laughs> Mine's so high quality that it has the first five movies on the first disc and the second five movies on the second disc. <laughs> mine has, mine has uh, part one and two on the first disc 
and part three on the reverse side of the first disc. <laughs> and I'm in no way, shape, or complaining because back when I was on a podcast with significantly nicer listeners, somebody actually sent me that as a gift. Aww. So I'm not saying our listeners now should be sending us gifts. I'm just saying back on the horror, et cetera, days, people did send me gifts. I, uh, I signed up for my seven-day free trial for the Full Moon streaming service so I could watch these at work today. Oh, really? I own them, so it was really easy. <laughs> oh, yeah, I got like three copies of Puppet Master. Giveaway so, time. <laughs> so I got the box set. I bought the, uh, the $5 Walmart bin box set. And then dark or full moon got a hold of me during drunken zombie time. Like, hey, we're putting this out on Blu-ray. Would you like a review copy? And I was like, yes, yes, I would. And they sent it to me for free. I will totally do a transaction with you that is quite possibly illegal and buy those screener copies off of me. Fuck no, because mine's DVD quality, son. I gotta get that Blu-ray. Well, then I wouldn't have a Blu-ray. I gotta get that Blu-ray. Maybe, maybe you guys can negotiate this later. Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to the Midnight Drive-In at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Good news, I came back. Oh, yay. All right, we've got, <laughs> we've got a couple pieces of feedback. Uh, our good friend Brian with an eye. Your friend's uh, with No. No, I said our good friend. I was trying to be polite. Good friend of the show, arch enemy of other Brian. That's right. Uh, hey guys, now I know I sent in a piece of feedback a few weeks ago, and you didn't read it for either A, it didn't go through, B, it went to your spam and you missed it, or C, you read it and thought, well, this is garbage and would rather not read it. Uh, Brian, I'll have you know I literally just checked while Doug was off either going to the bathroom or getting another drink. And, uh, yeah, the last thing we have from you is from the middle of January. So, they'll be trying to tell us we didn't do shit. Yeah. <laughs> so, we don't. We still don't know what happened. We just... No. Uh, well, I hope you get this one and it meets your high standards of excellence. So, it's been a bit since uh, I've seen Darkman, so I'm going to have to remedy that, which I would agree. That's definitely worth a rewatch. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but while listening to the last episode, and I'm not sure you said this, and I missed it, you think that Darkman would make a wonderful series under the watchful eye of Sam Raimi and company, since uh, what's old is cool again, i.e. Evil Dead, Halloween, Twilight Zone, I think it would make a great continuation of the original movie. Put it on stars, and you have the same production team from Ash vs. Evil Dead, and you might have a winner. That's uh, actually not a bad idea. Yeah, I would watch it. Superheroes are in. Weird, gory horror shit's in. Sam Raimi stuff is in. You know what you'd have there, too, is you'd have a TV series about a superhero where every week a different actor plays a superhero. Oh, yeah. That'd be kind of fun, right? That'd be like kind of a quantum leap element to it. Yeah. 
That'd be good. Or That's a good idea. Counter proposal. <laughs> Animated Darkman TV show a la the 1990s HBO Spawn series. Not a terrible idea either. Yeah. Have them both. Those could run simultaneously. They could. I would say get Liam Neeson in to do the voice, but who knows what he'll start spouting out. Your <laughs> 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 animated uh, character yelling racist shit for no reason. When just I was leave- 13, a Chinese boy stole my marbles. <laughs> deep-seated resentment. No, no read, the, read the script. God damn it, read the script. <laughs> uh, uh, I did forget to mention last week that uh, uh, Dynamite, the comic book company, you know, they had the Army of Darkness series for a while. Yeah. They did do one where they, uh, Army of Darkness and Darkman had like a crossover. Okay. And I, and I have it somewhere. I remember it being really good. But it's worth a read if anybody looking for more Darkman in their life. Um, so he continues. The only other thing I got is that I finally got around to watching the original My Bloody Valentine, and I absolutely loved it. I'm really not much of a slasher fan, but this became a yearly watch for me on the dreaded holiday. Great kills, and I just love its Canadian charm. Just so much fun. Great show as always, guys. Keep it up. Now, I'm wondering which version he watched, because there is, like, the restored version that has a bunch of the gore put back in. Yeah. Which is usually the one you get nowadays. Yeah. So I would think that that's probably what he watched. Which is mm-hmm. the right version to watch. You want all yeah. the put in. Yeah, because some of the Gore stuff was really good when I, because I really enjoyed it, and then the restored version came out, and then I watched that, and I was like, "Holy fuck!" Like all these like Gore scenes are amazing. And they got butchered out of the original version. Yeah, uh, yeah, and it it is really just a fun slasher film to watch. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. especially fun for me because it does have a lot of Canadian in it. There's just flags waving everywhere. <laughs> they just they're drinking Moosehead like it's normal, and I'm like. Especially back at that time, nobody outside of Canada knew what Moosehead beer was. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm a big fan of it. Not so much a big fan of the remake. Even though Tom Atkins is in it in 3D. I did like the remake when I saw it in theaters. Mm. I thought it was just like a fun, I thought they used like the 3D gimmick well and stuff. Mm. But it never occurred to me that I'd want to watch that movie at home without that 3d right yeah and that's well, what it's the same ending as uh high tension which i yeah, do not like well needless to say when you bring up high tension i get openly angry so <laughs> all right let's move on it's, it's the batman versus superman of fucking slasher movies from my perspective. <laughs> oh. uh so brian sent another email and i i did i was quickly scanning it while we were chatting there and i did not read this beforehand so this is going to seem like a weird coincidence so brian says sorry for the double dip here i was completely out of line for suggesting a dark man tv series what we really need is a dark man versus versus army of darkness tv show just let that sink in peyton westlake is searching for the solution to perfect his fake skin technology and he comes across the necronomicon ex mortis and while trying to read it, can't enunciate the words due to the lack of lips. Raises, 
raises the army of darkness, and now you must fight them back to the depths of hell. And as an added bonus, I'm sure Raimi and company could convince Bruce Campbell to make an appearance or two, so we'd have that. Okay, I'm done. Well, of course. Like, <laughs> can anybody think of an argument against that? <laughs> yeah, nobody's going to be like, no, we're, that's not going to happen. The only way, the only thing is, it would require a scene where, like, it looks like uh, it looks like Liam Neeson is walking up to fight one of the deadites. But then, if you're paying real close attention, you notice the metal hand <laughs> and it's Ash with the fake face over him. Oh yeah, there you go. <laughs> Sold. All right. Money. Um, so we gotta start checking that that uh, spam folder closer because it sounds like brighter than I sending in gold. And we're just- <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, oh, one of the other uh, Army of Darkness crossovers. They did an Army of Darkness versus Reanimator. Yeah. And I'm like, that's this is like the most genius idea ever. There's Deadites. There's re uh, the reanimation solution. The reagent, like this is perfect. All right, what did everybody else watch since last week? Oh, you want to go first? Uh, that's pretty easy because I watch Jack shit. If you, <laughs> I mean, unless you want to count, like I watched the uh, uh, what's his name, Doctor, the guy from The Hangover, the Asian guy. I can't remember his name. Ken Jong. Yeah, Dr. Ken. Yeah, Dr. Ken. I watched his new stand-up thing on uh, Netflix. It's pretty funny. It's good to hear. I've been debating whether to watch it or not. So, I mean, uh, I've heard there's a John Cena story in there. <laughs> there is a John Cena story. <laughs> He's. It's it's pretty funny seeing how it's all pretty much just self-aware stuff. It's ninety percent jokes about you know I've got hangover money. So now I can do whatever I want, and and his wife's name last name is Ho, so that's endless comedy. Uh, well, that's not true. You did finish the Umbrella Academy. Oh, that's true. I did finish Umbrella Academy. Liar. I did as well. I did as well, and you were not very happy with the ending. Yeah, I'd say good, good show, shit ending. That's... <laughs> and the reason for that is because Noah hates cliffhanger endings. I do hate cliffhanger endings. I also. I don't know a lot about the comic book, but I do know how that particular series ends right there, and the the comic book ending is way better. Yeah. We may still get it. We don't know. Maybe. When it comes back, we'll see what they come back with. Although I doubt it, because the characters are way different. Yeah. Especially especially uh, uh, Klaus. Klaus is a very different character in the comic books. Yeah, I've never read any of them, so I don't know. But yeah, I've read bits and pieces. I mean, they were basically X Men, but Charles Xavier is a massive piece of shit, mm-hmm. I mean, which did turn out to be true in the X Men comics as well. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I mean, but that's—I mean, that's literally what it is. <laughs> they changed—they changed a lot of stuff, like uh, the two assassin characters, the ones who wear the. Uh, mm-hmm the masks they're really 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 minor characters and they never take the masks off hmm. and so the, and, yeah so the show made took huge liberal changes to the the series but 
like I said, I liked it. Uh, hopefully season two doesn't end with a cliffhanger because if they end it with a cliffhanger and there's no third season, I'm going to burn this bitch to the ground. From the sounds of it, it did very well for Netflix, which I don't understand how they gauge that, but so I think, I think at least a couple more seasons is probably a no-brainer. Well, you would have said the same thing about Punisher and you'd be wrong. No, because I knew that was going to get cancelled just because they were out of spite canceling all their Marvel shows. <laughs> so, that's that's something I do want to talk about for a second. Sure. I don't think we talked about this last week, so you know, now that they've officially announced the death of Jessica Jones and the Punisher, mm-hmm. because they're fucking bastards, they did announce four new animated TV shows from Marvel for Hulu that are bat shit insane. Yep. I don't know who the fucking madman in the back office making that decision is. <laughs> but what the sweet fuck Howard the Duck. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. I'll give you Howard the Duck. I like you. Written by Kevin Smith. Written by Kevin Smith. So you're taking a weird idea, but putting a decent person behind it. So, you know, who knows? Modoc the series. Once again, what the fuck? <laughs> and and so you say that you say that, but, but Pat tell, tell me, tell me you're not gonna love and watch every single episode of Modoc the series. No, here's the thing. They said Modoc the series. I was like, that's fucking stupid. And they said, and Pat Oswalt's basically gonna be the showrunner behind it. And I was like, well, now it's gonna be awesome. <laughs> so I have to watch that. Why did shit. you? Why did you say that so angrily? Well, because I don't like it when they come up with ideas to get me to to buy into their bullshit. <laughs> I've never heard someone be so angry about the fact that they're going to enjoy something. Right. <laughs> they're, they're fuckers, I say. Fuckers. And then Tigra and Dazzler are getting a show. Seriously. What the fuck? Who the fuck? I just... Honestly. Terrible. This is just this is just like Disney whipping their dick out and shaking it at everybody, being like, "Look what we can do!" Right? Like they're literally trolling everybody else at this point, just saying, "Like you guys can't compete with us. Look <laughs> yeah. what we can do. We're gonna fucking put a talking duck in a cartoon. Yeah, we're gonna spend a bunch guy to write it, and then we're gonna make more money than you." And they're gonna win. Like that's the thing. All these shows, we're all gonna watch them all, and we're gonna be. And then like Netflix is gonna be like, "What the? F- did, you, did you guys see Punisher? Do you remember how good it was?" And we're gonna be like, "Yeah, this, we're gonna watch this now." I just Disney said to. So <laughs> I just wish there would be a press conference with the uh, the head of Marvel's TV department just leaning in, wearing sunglasses, and talking shit into like the <laughs> microphone the whole time. And he's like, "And guess what?" We're going to make them fucking cartoons. And then guess what? We're going to put them on Hulu because we're Disney and we don't give no fuck. Yeah. Yeah. See, I, I just want somebody with a bad attitude in there to, doing that exact thing. Right. It's like, yeah. Yeah. Get ready for this shit. Fucking Howard the Duck, a cartoon. Right? Yeah. Fucking crazy. <laughs> I'll tell you what, the only one, the only one that got me right off the back was they were like Hit Monkey. And I was like, oh man, I really fucking like Hit Monkey. <laughs> it's a good, it's a really good comic book series. <laughs> and I think making it animated is the best way to go with it. 
Yeah, it's going to be fun. And then, of course, they're going to do a crossover series called The Offenders at the end. Yes. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure that's just them literally giving the finger to uh, Netflix. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, this is literally them saying, we don't need you to Netflix. <laughs> like, it's like, what are you going to do about it? What are you guys going to do about it? Are you going to complain? No. Fuck you. If you guys complain, we're going to put this shit out in hard copy so we can outsell you there, too. <laughs> you know why? Because we're Disney. Making a cartoon about a talking duck. That's right. A talking duck. And if you think that's stupid, then we're going to make a monkey an assassin and have him kill people. <laughs> By the way, not one of our more famous talking ducks. Because we, <laughs> we're Disney, we own lots of talking ducks. Remember that duck from the eighties that we're going we're going with one that people didn't really like. Yeah. <laughs> we're gonna make you lap that shit up and you're gonna like it. And you remember when Howard the duck's creator tried to fuck us? He tried to fuck us with that other duck? Well guess <laughs> what? We got billions of dollars. We bought that duck too. We're putting it in the show. Uh, oh Disney. God, I wish they'd start holding more press conferences. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's easier to release stuff through internet, but I feel like it's a press conference that like Key and Peele is in charge of. <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> uh, that's so good. Our next Apparently. announcement is going to be made by ex-president Obama because we got <laughs> Disney money. <laughs> uh, 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 there has been rumblings that Hulu may be interested in reviving some of the Netflix series. Hulu ain't got that kind of fucking money. Well, I mean, that's that's what like somebody was all excited about. I'm like, I wouldn't get too excited. Like, I could see them maybe picking up maybe one or two, but I don't think that they would pick up like the whole spread because that's a lot to pick up all at once. No, yeah, but it's plausible that they would pick up like Punisher, which would be mm. relatively cheap to produce. I would think. I think the funniest one is I would almost expect HBO to pop up out of nowhere and be like, Punisher is ours, but we're putting tits in it. Disney be like, no, 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 no. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, we talk a lot of shit and do a lot of weird stuff, but you are not putting tits in this movie. Let's let's be blunt here. That Punisher show, like tits are not going to make the difference. (laughs) They they went hard R in that last season. And I don't think I don't think it really matters. No. Plus, there's boobies in, De- in uh, Deadpool. They said they're going to keep uh, keep Deadpool R. There was pegging in Deadpool. <laughs> Do you think? I I just can't imagine they're going to let him stay under the uh, the actual Disney label. I have a feeling that what what was their old one they used to use Touchstone? Yeah. I, th- I think Touchstones get ready to make a comeback. <laughs> no, no, no. That's not us. That's that's our evil twin. That's that's Dimension Extreme superhero. Because <laughs> right. we got Disney money. That's the thing is though. Like if, when you look at what Disney does own, like they own fucking like Hellraiser. It's not like <laughs> look, they don't do hard R stuff. They just don't put the logo at the front. Although I think we can all agree that uh, 
the the Hellraiser movies that have come out in the last few years have not been good. No, they haven't been good. But they haven't been Disneyfied. Well, That's not been the problem. It's because the Weinstein's were in charge of them. So. Yeah. Uh, you got anything else, Noah? Unfortunately, no. I think that's it. What about you, Doug? What do you got? Uh, let's see. First of all, I watched uh, Puppet Master 2 because, as previously stated, it was on the same disc as Puppet Masters. <laughs> so, well, I can't turn <laughs> I mean, it off. Thank yeah, if it's on the same disc. It's, yeah, I mean, it's not a lot you can do. So, uh, yeah, I, I was pleasantly surprised by it for like a sequel that happened right after. Um, it basically just involves a different group of people coming to the hotel to get killed, except this time the puppets uh, preemptively resurrect Toulon. So he's walking around looking all dark manny, covered in bandages with a big black trench coat and hat. Um, and I thought it was super fun to watch. Uh, I don't like, I mean, we kind of, we kind of covered our bases on <laughs> Puppet Master this week. We've, we've yeah. talked about it nonstop, but yeah, it, it holds up. So. Could you could you just say Toulon again? Toulon. Okay, that sounded that sounded normal. I was getting ready to say, did you just pronounce it all Frenchy? Did you just call Canadian on that name? <laughs> I I may have Toulon from time to time. You're like Toulon. <laughs> I believe the Canadian jokes are being reserved for next week. So. Get off my dick. <laughs> I don't hate you. I got Disney money. <laughs> um, let's see what else did I watch. Uh, I watched uh, The Strangers Pray at Night, finally. Yeah. Because somebody finally made it available to me for free. Um, I was pretty happy with it. I actually, mm-hmm. like, like, full disclosure, I was kind of drifting in and out of sleep while I was watching it. Not because of the movie, but just because sometimes... I decide I should stay up and watch movies when I really should go to bed. And uh, like I, I actually will probably rewatch this one pretty soon just because it was better than I expected. I'd heard it was more slashery than the original. Yeah. You might have been the one that told me that, Brian. Uh, I was here on the show. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, but I, I, I remembered hearing that and it kind of moved this to the back burner for me because I prefer when my sequels are more in line with the original, generally speaking. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought they did a really good job with this one, because the plot is slasher plot. It's just a family being stalked by the killers. Um, but I thought a lot of the visuals really worked well. There's the mm-hmm. one kill that takes place in a pool, and it sounds cheesy, but when you see that killer guy like when he, he gets the stab in and he goes to walk away and the other body's there and the blood's just spreading in the water like that looks fucking awesome yeah and it's got like the neon in the background so yeah so and there, there were a lot of visuals like that that I thought worked quite well um, I liked how they uh, sort of made the truck a character yeah like sort of like the, the Christine motif where since they're in this uh, trailer park or whatever and it's really spread out they would, you know, the guy would just jump in the truck and drive to a different part to see if they could find the members of the family. Yeah. So sort of Christine-like, you'd just see the headlights in the background, and people would be like, oh, shit, and, like, take off running and stuff. Yeah, I thought that worked. Mm-hmm. That one scene where they drove right through the side of the trailer, I thought was pretty cool. <laughs> a little cheesy, but... Yeah, I mean, it, 
It's essentially a slasher movie. If you're a fan of slasher movies, it's a good one. Uh, so I'd recommend it. Um, there's not much. It's hard to. It's a hard one to talk about because if you know, other than going through the kills or something. Yeah. Um, which, due to our extended uh, time frame, it's actually been over a week since I saw it. So going mm-hmm. through the kills, I'm going to end up making a mistake and getting emails from people telling me I'm stupid. So. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. So watch that one. Did you ever watch The Strangers, Noah? I don't think so. First one's uh, sort of from that really dark, I don't want to say torture porny, but just like sort of really dark and desolate sort of era of horror where people are being stalked in a house and everything feels way too real so people get stabbed and you're just like and then for the sequel like since you know that's not as in vogue anymore this guy sort of went more 80s with it more 80s slashery with it yeah the first one's good like it's not because it doesn't get torture porny you don't ever yeah like it doesn't go down that path i like to call that kind of stuff paper cut horror (laughs) <laughs> like blood and guts and mutilations and so they, like doesn't get to me but so help me god you do something little like somebody's cutting a piece of fruit and they slip and cut their finger or get a paper cut or something in a movie that's whatever I'm like <laughs> <laughs> the, the only problem I have with the original strangers is that I had already seen the French film Il when I saw it mm-hmm. and yeah. I'm like well, they, it's pretty much a remake. Like, I hope somebody got paid on that, because if not, they missed a beautiful chance for a lawsuit. And it's like, I, I, I know what's coming. I can pretty much predict this, and I've seen it done, and frankly done a little bit better. Um, so it's that's my really only complaint about The Strangers, but I completely understand why most people don't see foreign films, and therefore you'd have to, uh, you'd have to make one for the American market, so... Yeah, it's good though. Yeah, good. it's it's more of a home invasion movie, and then yeah. the sequel is eighty eighty slashery yeah. movie. So, so yeah, I kind of hope they make more of them. To be honest, mm-hmm. but, I'd be down for that. But you know, now they won't because the world doesn't like me to be happy. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let's see. Next thing I watched was a movie that I'd never heard of called Midnighters. You guys heard of this one? It's from like 2017. Name's familiar, but I haven't seen it. It's on, yeah, it's a Netflix thing. It's a little, uh, like, I guess you'd call it a drama. I'm not sure. Maybe a thriller. Uh, the setup is a couple coming home from a New Year's Eve party and something goes wrong and they hit a guy and they think they've killed him so then they they end up go taking the body back to their home putting it in the garage parking the car in the garage the younger sister of the wife who's staying with them comes home turns out the guy wasn't dead so when she finds him in the garage he attacks her he has a gun on him she ends up shooting him so now they do have a dead body in their garage and they've got a freaked out younger sister and they're trying to figure out what the fuck is going on they start going through his wallet and they find a piece of paper with their address on it, implying that he was coming looking for them and they just happened to have hit him. That's the setup. Mm. Things seems, get... like I, seems like I just heard some other podcast maybe talking about this. Okay. The, uh, the address on the wallet, that's what... I'm just like, oh, I did hear someone talk about this recently. Yeah. That sounds interesting. 
So it, and that's exactly how I would describe it as interesting. Cause it takes like, like when I say that's the setup, that's already enough twists and turns for a whole movie almost. <laughs> um, it really just keeps, it's one of these movies where it just keeps taking these turns and they are all logical turns. Most of them aren't completely like catch you off guard, like shock twist ending type things, but they do, uh, you will not predict where it's going. And it's just constantly like every new character that shows up, they're there for a minute and you go, oh, they're not who I thought they were at all. <laughs> or or like in some cases, they, they do turn out to be who you think they were. And you're like, oh, it took the characters in the movie a little longer to figure that out than it took me. And things just keep getting darker as things go on. And uh, yeah, it, it's it's a fun little thriller. Not fun, I guess, but <laughs> I gotcha. You know, various characters end up tied up and locked up in the garage at various times and they have to find ways out of that scenario and the uh, there's a like sort of a a subplot where the husband is uh, sort of not feeling very masculine because he's not working and the wife's paying all the bills and so when it turns out there could be money involved here he sort of gets very dark and starts trying to keep it for himself and stuff um, lots of that sort of interplay between all the different characters they do a decent job of establishing tension between the husband and wife right at the beginning where they're clearly not in a particularly happy marriage, which keeps things a lot more interesting when they're going through and having to work together to, you know, dispose of bodies and stuff, which would be stressful under the best of circumstances and probably more stressful if you're already not getting along, I assume. For the record, no firsthand experience of disposing of bodies with my significant other. But... <laughs> You know. uh, I plead the fifth. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, it's. I mean, I I stumbled across this on Netflix. I really don't know why I picked it because I did not know what it was about until after I was watching it. Um, it turned out to be pretty good, so I was pretty happy with it. Um, you know, it is a, a situation where some of the acting is better than some of the other acting. I would dare say that if there's there ends up being probably like four main actors in the movie. Um, and you can kind of go, well, the, the women are better at acting than the men in this movie <laughs> almost <laughs> across the board. So, you know, but again, sometimes if you want to see original movies with uh, unique plots. You kind of have to put up with independent film acting. Uh, yeah. So I'd recommend that one. Um, the next thing I watched on kind of the opposite end of the spectrum, I watched the documentary <laughs> Behind the Curve. Uh, I haven't watched, have not watched it, but my uh, my friend was talking about it the other night. Yeah. So it's going on my list to watch at some point. Yeah. So this, it's a documentary about flat earthers um, for people who don't know. <laughs> and like, this is a world that confounds me. Because I just don't comprehend how anyone, like I'm all about questioning authority and you know doing your own research on stuff. If you don't, if the if the truth, if the the official story on something doesn't seem right to you, but the whole Earth being round thing, I, I feel like the science is settled. I feel like it, it kind of blows my mind that there are people who argue against that, um, and it's like. The movie takes 
like no time to establish exactly how they feel. It's like, yeah, like there's literally like the opening scene. They're going through some of the arguments about how the Earth could be flat, and the, there's always this one thing they point to about how if you watch flight patterns in the southern hemisphere, the planes don't seem to be going properly. Like they like they never go around the Earth or something, and they point to that as proof. And I've heard that argument before in other times when I've gone down weird YouTube paths trying to understand flat Earth theory. And like the documentarian just literally, she's like, well, you can see all the flight patterns in the world on this website. She calls it up and she's like, here's this plane coming this way. It, it has to have come from over there. And now here's a plane going that way. Like, where's it going if it's not going over there? So that wasn't very hard to debunk. It's like, <laughs> like it's so they, they pull no punches in this. Like they're not going to have a discussion about whether the earth is flat or not. They're just interested in getting to know some of the characters um, that are involved in this world. And there's some characters involved in this world. Uh, kind of a weird variety of people. Like the one guy they concentrate on, he's kind of like the hero of the flat earth movement. And I forget his name off the top of my head, but he's like, you can tell he really likes that he's a celebrity in this little world. And he kind of seems like maybe he was, it's hard to tell, but I think he maybe he was a loser who stumbled across this and had a couple of surprise hit YouTube videos on it. And is really just kind of bought in because as long as he keeps believing this, he keeps getting to be the guy that everybody looks up to. And he claims he doesn't like being a celebrity, but he wears t-shirts with his own name on them when he like flies places. And then he talks about how people recognize me in the airport. Well, it says your name on your t-shirt. People, you know what I mean? Like it's, it seems like you're trying to draw attention to yourself. Um, but you know, he's also the guy that argue he he keeps insisting several times throughout that flat earth movement is winning the argument against traditional science which i don't necessarily feel like it is i feel like we're still more than 50 percent plus one who are on <laughs> circular earth theory like it's <laughs> spherical earth theory whatever um I've, I've weirdly seen like flat earthers argue like someone's brought up like well the like, how do you, then what is, like, is Jupiter flat? And they're like, oh, no, that that's a that's a globe. That's, mm-hmm. you know, so, and everybody's just like, but why would all the other planets be round and the Earth would be the only flat one in the solar system? Dude, it's, it's, it's fascinating. And, like, some of the people that they talk to are clearly people that maybe have some kind of mental issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, like, they're non-dangerous mental issues, so they don't need to be locked up or anything. But and you can kind of tell that. And the document, the, like these guys who made this documentary, they're pretty like they're they're kind to all the people involved, right? And they kind of let you get to know them. And they're like they don't go in and go, "This guy's fucking nuts," and that's why he believes this shit. They just they let you meet the character. And it's like, yeah, the whole time we were there, he had like he was using a sledgehammer to bounce a tennis ball up in the air. Just do, just process that as you will. Like we're not gonna, we're not gonna try to explain it, right? Like just that's what's going on. You're seeing it on camera, so um, you know, th- there were some guys who were like, 
it was just it was fascinating because they were like like they literally they bought this twenty thousand dollar piece of equipment and they're like this equipment will finally prove flat earth theory because if the earth is traveling through space and rotating this will show like a 15 degree change in like every hour and then when it doesn't show that we're totally going to have proof that that didn't happen and then they like sit there and they stare at the thing for an hour after spending twenty thousand dollars on it and it's exactly 15 degrees (laughs) and they're like something must have went wrong and you're like oh like (laughs) fuck man like you, you just yeah, like no matter what, there's always something that... Yeah. Right, and then somebody's like, just go take a picture of the edge. Well, you can't get near the edge. It's There's roving death squadrons of ships that protect the edge, and it's like, then just get close enough to take a picture of the roving death squadrons of <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and there is, there is a little bit of that where, like, the documentarians will, because they go to, like, a Flat Earth conference, and they, they like, Flat Earth ask them, like, why hasn't anyone ever been to the edge and like you should hear some of the stuff that comes out of some of the people like and you're just shaking your head going like like they start comparing it to the truman show and basically saying like the problem is the people who have the resources to get to the edge are the people who benefit from our current society so why would they want to prove everything's wrong and i'm just thinking like you guys are like nothing they say is logical in on any level like it's not plausible but they just run with it and they seem like a lot for a lot of them it seems pretty harmless like one guy's like very proud of a flat earth motorcycle he built it's like that's not relevant you can build a motorcycle no matter what the earth is shaped like (laughs) seems like you just wanted to build a motorcycle so i'm glad you had your fun and you know Mm -hmm. some of them are making money off of it which i can kind of understand because why not but yeah, they follow a couple of different people who are doing these experiments, and it's like we're just going to film you doing your experiment, and you prove the Earth's flat, and none of them are able to do it. And you're like, because you're wrong. And every single time they're like, no, something else went happened, went wrong, and it screwed up our results. And it's like how how many times is that going to happen? Like, it's it's fascinating. Like yeah. it's like I say, it, it, for the most part, they do drop in some lines at the end because throughout this they'll have clips from psychologists explaining like what might be wrong with, not necessarily like psychoanalyzing the individuals, but being like, yeah, here's how human nature works, and this is why people who glom onto an idea and stick to it even when their experiment fails, kind of thing, and uh, they have some like sort of social scientists talking about like well yeah it's not really harmless because you've got all these people here who are making these their life decisions using this same sort of logic and at some point it's like they start voting for the guy who says the earth's flat even though that guy says the earth's flat and i'm going to do all these terrible things just because they are trying to hold up their ideology and you know you get into that discussion of where this can end up Mm. or just them saying you shouldn't listen to scientists because we can prove better. Like, like there is the one guy, the main guy, I think his name is Mark Sargent, but I might be wrong. He's sort of the main character of this documentary. He says several times, like we're winning the argument against science because science is going to throw like math and numbers at you. 
And we're just going to like point off in the distance and say, hey, if the world was curved, you wouldn't be able to see that. And that level of anti-intellectualism is dangerous. I mean, convincing people that they should ignore experts on everything, you know, that's how you get anti-vaxxers. I've heard a pretty good argument against the YouTube guys, too, the guys who make a little bit of money off of it. Because basically the person was saying, most of us have this tendency to say, hey, if that person's dumb enough to give give you their money, then why not, right? And then he said, but think of it this way. Would you be okay with somebody tricking a mentally handicapped person out of giving them a bunch of money? Like, hell hell no. We would all be like, okay, that needs to be illegal. So these people are dumb enough that they think the earth is flat. So, (laughs) I mean, you're taking taking advantage of people who are that ill-equipped for reality. No, and and there's some truth to that. Like it's, it, it it's you know again if 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 you're somebody who's functioning in society and the only weird thing about you is that you think the Earth is flat, at some point it's just a hobby, right? Like anything else, but it can get into that territory of like when are you taking advantage of people? And there was there were some scenes where at like this flat earth conference thing they had like a some teenagers showed up and were like proud of the fact and everybody there was like proud of the fact that these kids like refused to believe their science teachers and believe this instead and it's like oh that's that's icky when you're corrupting children now mm-hmm. and teaching children not to listen to their teachers like we need kids with basic math and science skills coming out of our high schools like it doesn't <laughs> seem like that's a controversial thing to say like Kids should trust mathematical results more than YouTube videos. Um, I don't think that that's over the edge. I don't think I'm some, like, you know, zealot for trying to push that agenda. Um, So, I mean, then the documentary is not scared to go there as much as it's not mean to the individuals involved. It's also not going to sit back and say, hey, this is a harmless thing. There are negative side effects, and it will point those out. So I don't know if if you're like me and things like flat earth theory blow your mind. I think watching something like this, getting to know some of the key players in that world, is interesting. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely something I need to watch. Like, I like to watch all that stuff about crazy Scientologist people. So this yeah. sounds right up my alley. I feel like it would just hurt me. <laughs> I'm I'm in desperate need of a little bit of faith that we can move forward as a species and not be decimated and dead by the time I'm an old man. And there isn't much of that. No, I mean, it's problematic that the concept of flat earth exists. And I understand why that's problematic for people. And I, I've, I've tried to take as much as like, I've tried to take the George Carlin approach of, I'm just going to sit back and watch the world burn and try to enjoy the show because I can't fix it. So from that perspective, this is pretty interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, you're not going to come out of it like with a, a bright view of the world. going to come out of because, I mean, none, like, you know, for every five flat earthers they talk to, there's one scientist who comes in and goes, well, no, what they're saying is not true because of this. Well, that's, 
you need to remember in your head that that's <laughs> that that's what's been going on. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, I I do think you know stuff like flat Earth theory is it ever going to become mainstream ideology? I hope not. But it is symbolic of the, like I say, the dangerous level of anti-intellectualism that exists, which is <sighs> it's it's not okay for you to think you can sit at home and do your own research and reestablish all of science. You're, you're probably not going to be able to. And if you think you have, you might want to, like, you know, go get somebody else to duplicate your studies for you because that's how real science works. Is if you can prove something, then somebody else should be able to redo your experiment and prove it again the same way. An independent third party should be able to do that, not another guy who already agrees with you at the beginning. What a bunch of weirdos. Yeah, speaking of weirdos, I also watched a movie called uh, Paddleton. Have you guys heard of this one? No. With uh, Ray Romano and... Uh... Mark Duplass? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He yeah, did so... it again. Mark Duplass. Duplass. How would you guys say it? He will battle Toulon. Uh, Mark Duplass? Duplass? Okay. But, I mean, that may be wrong, but... I don't know which one it is. I only ever see it in writing. <laughs> I'm from the Midwest. I say Duplass. Duplass. That du Duplass brothers are brilliant. Well, in the latest Duplass, Dupla, Duplass <laughs> brothers project, Paddleton, Mark, stars with Ray Romano, and they play a couple of weirdos, which is how I was connecting it to our last discussion. <laughs> and it... Essentially, the movie is about these two guys with very, very mediocre lives that live in the same apartment building. So they are, they spend a lot of time together and they're very good friends and they watch kung fu movies and they play this weird game where they hit a tennis ball against an old uh, drive-in theater screen and eat a, way too many frozen pizzas. Like, I think it's like, that's their symbol for like mediocre lifestyle is people who eat frozen pizzas every night. Oh. Which sounds, sounds great to me. Yeah, I think it sounds great until you're like on your third night in a row of frozen pizza. <laughs> well, you gotta vary it up. You get a supreme, get a pepperoni. <laughs> All right, you might relate to this movie a little too. Much. <laughs> um, but yeah, anyway, the basic the basic plot of the movie is that uh, Mark's character he. Uh, it probably is Mark Duplass because it's M-A-R-K-M-A-R-C, which is how a French person would spell it. But his character basically finds out he's got some kind of cancer and he decides not to treat it. and Instead, he gets a prescription for something that will kill him, which he will be able to take whenever he feels like he's nearing the end. Which seems a little weird to me because I don't doesn't sound like something that would be legal in the U.S. Do you guys have? Uh, there's a weird sort of uh, right to die movement, and I think they have okayed. Uh, what I guess what they what do they call it? Do they still call it like assisted suicide? Yeah, I uh, guess. Anyways, in in uh, the movie, like it's basically he has to drive like six hours to find a pharmacy that will yeah. fill his prescription. I mean, I don't know if it's if it's as easy as they're making it out to be in this 
yeah. in this movie. There is a thing, but I think there's like a shit ton of conditions that have to be in, in play for it to even be a fa- even to be available. Yeah, like I know up here we've just recently legalized it, and it's like it's very difficult to get approval, um, mm. which is like some people think it's kind of I guess ironic. Like you're putting people through a lot <laughs> right before they get to kill themselves, um, no. which is. And a lot of people, yeah. I mean, we don't need to get into a debate about that, but that <laughs> topic. Sure. I was just kind of curious whether the plot of the movie made any sense. But uh, I would think it's state by state down here, and I'm not sure. I don't. I gun to my head, I could even tell you. Which I know that the big thing in America is the argument boils down to administration. It is. It is illegal for a doctor to give you something to kill yourself. But in some places, it's totally legal for a doctor pers- to prescribe you something that you could then later take it all and kill yourself. Okay. And that's and that's like in this movie, there is like part of it is like when they finally get these pills, it's like he has to open up the pills, empty them all into a cup, mix with water, and then drink the drink. And that's what will eventually kill him. Mm. And they make like a, uh, they make like like that becomes part of the plot is them having to go through all that. And there's a whole scene where the pharmacist explains that all to them and everything, and gives them like written instructions. Um, but I mean, the the movie isn't about the plot. The movie is about these two guys and specifically Ray Romano's character trying to deal with it because he's you know he's the kind of guy who only has one friend in the world and doesn't like to talk to the people at work and all of a sudden his one friend is just going to die and he doesn't take that as well as you think maybe he should. <laughs> um, and yeah, like I got to say, the I like this kind of a movie. I would compare it in some ways to the movie 50-50 with Seth Rogen and Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Mm-hmm. Um, just kind of the ideas behind it are the same, although this one is a lot less complicated of a plot because it really is just the two characters throughout the whole movie. Um it, I found the characters likable. I thought their interactions seemed very genuine. I think it, it's kind of important to talk about these people sometimes. I think there's more people like this in the world than we like to think that go home alone to a single bedroom apartment. Uh, that's it every night, and they're probably never gonna, you know, get married or have families or whatever. And that's that's fine if that's their choice, but. It must be hard on them to lose a friend when they don't have anyone else, and it's it's interesting to watch the characters go through that. Um, turns out Ray Romano is a pretty good actor. I don't think I've ever seen him in anything. Yeah, I've seen him in a handful of things ever since uh, Everybody Loves Raymond has ended, and has have equally been a surprise that he's actually a really good actor. Yeah, so I like I don't even know. For sure, I don't know if I can ever tell you that I saw a full episode of Everybody Loves Raymond. It was on so much back in the day that I know I've seen parts of it, but I don't think I ever sat and watched it. Um, so, yeah, I was pretty blown away. Uh, Mark Duplass is uh, always good, and he's good in this, um, which is saying a lot because he does play a very different character. And like he was in that movie Creep, he obviously played like a creep. Um, he was on the league for years where he played like a very funny character. And, you know, he's, he's doing something completely different here, but he's equally impressive. 
and just as a like kind of a character study and a examination of the friendship between those two guys, I really liked it. It's way outside the scope of what we normally talk about on this podcast, but I was pretty impressed. So, yeah, yeah, I've heard I've heard someone mention it before. Maybe I don't know. It sounds interesting. Definitely should uh, put it on my what to watch list. Yeah, it was one of those ones like I turned on Netflix and it was the newest Netflix original release. So it kind of plays the trailer for you right when you turn on Netflix. Mm. Not the trailer, but whatever Netflix plays. I don't know what you (laughs) even call that. And I was like, you know what? That looks better than it should. Like it's, it was just, and you know, you know, I, I really like Mark Duplass in everything. So I don't, I should just watch everything he does. (laughs) Therefore I did. Um, Glad I didn't know. Anything else? Um, that's pretty much all I watched. I also rewatched the uh, Saturday night's main event match between Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant. Oh uh, yeah, still good. Uh, yeah, I still I'm still convinced Hogan had his shoulder up and that that pinfall should not have counted. So <laughs> yeah. I forgot uh, in the post match interview how quickly Hogan was able to figure out that that referee had gone through plastic surgery to look just like <laughs> David. <Hunter. laughs> he really pieces that together quickly. So, like the Batman of wrestlers, he's also a great detective. He's like, wait, brother, there's no way. <laughs> uh, that's when it helps you that you have twins working on your as your on your referee roster. I just assume it's when it helps that one of your wrestlers be so rich that he can pay for plastic surgery. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I didn't realize we were staying in storyline. <laughs> So yeah, that's that's what happens with me when I'm have too much time on my hands and access to the internet. I end up watching that. I can't even explain how I got there. Uh, uh, okay, so me and Amanda, well, I rewatched. She watched for the first time, uh, "Haunting a Hill House." Uh, I really wanted to see it when it came out, and she was busy, so I was like, "Fuck it, I'm just gonna watch it." And then she's like, you watched it without me. So I was just, since they announced that they're doing a sequel, sort of, I uh, I was like, oh, this would be a good time to rewatch it then. So got through that. It's still fantastic. Still love how it all pieces together. And the episode six, where majority of the stuff is shot like in super long takes, still amazing technically, still amazing from a story point of view. Like that episode still floored me when I saw it. So it was it was fun rewatching it. Yeah, and still got to get to that. And it sounds like they're taking an interesting approach. Like it's going to be like an anthology series, but it sounds like they're going to take classic haunted house stories and sort of adapt them each season. So the first season of Haunting Hill House, uh, the second season is going to be called The Haunting of Bly Manor. And it's going to be an adaptation of uh, The Turn of the Screw, which uh, an old movie called The Innocence is based off of. And elements from the story were used in that movie, uh, The Others, with Nicole Kidman. Okay. So. That's a good movie. Yeah. So I'm excited. I'm, I like the this idea of, like, well, let's just take some of the, the most well-known haunted house stories and we'll turn use that to turn this into a series. So, and it's Mike Flanagan again. So I'm excited. 
all right. So the other thing, uh, I watched a movie called Cold Skin. Okay. Does anybody else watch this one? I've not watched it, but I've watched the trailer several times and thought about <laughs> watching it. Yeah. Just so, gone around it. so it's like the early 1900s, and uh, for some reason, this guy works for... For, I don't know if he works for the government. He works for somebody. And basically, what they do is they bring these weather guys in and they drop them off on this deserted island. Has like a uh, like a cabin and stuff and, you know, uh, provisions and all that stuff. And their job is to hang out on this island for 12 months and just record different, I don't know, weather stats. Uh and so, you know, the ship comes, they got the new guy on it, and they're supposed to pick up the guy that was there and then, you know, take him back home. And then in a year, they'll come back and pick this guy up. And there's also a guy who is there for the Navy, I think, who operates a lighthouse. Um, well, when they get there, they can't find the weather guy. So they go over to this lighthouse, wake up the the lighthouse guy and it's uh, Ray Stevenson who I'm a big fan of and he's got like a giant bushy beard he's like he's like drunk you know completely naked sleeping in his bed and they wake him up and he's just like oh that guy passed away or whatever and there's not like it doesn't seem to be a whole lot of I mean, maybe it's just because it's the early 1900s there's there's not like a big like, well, where's his body? We need to like investigate this. They're just like, oh, okay. And then they just drop this guy off and then take off. So while this weather guy's hanging out in his cabin first couple nights, he suddenly, there's like weird shit that's going on. And when he goes to talk to the lighthouse guy the next day, he basically tells him like, the stuff you saw was real. And he finds out that every night, this island is like besieged by like these these fishmen that come out of the ocean. So this the, his cabin gets destroyed. So he has to move into the lighthouse, and this lighthouse guy really doesn't want him there, but basically puts him to work. Like you're gonna earn your keep hanging out with this lighthouse. So I'm gonna show you how to uh, survive these things. So literally every night these two guys go to war with these fishmen that come out of the ocean. And try to attack this lighthouse, and that's what this movie is. It's uh, sounds great. Yeah, it's it's great because I mean, like a lot of people are just like, well, when the ship showed up, why didn't Ray Stevenson be like, yeah, we need to get out of here? But Ray Stevenson's like, I don't want to go back to civilization. That's not that's not living either. Like that's that's being imprisoned in their, you know laws and all that other nonsense so yeah he's perfectly happy living on this island and fighting a swarm of fishmen every night so yeah it's enjoyable the the effects are good um the makeup for the the fish creatures looks pretty awesome um the the gore's good the acting is pretty good yeah it's enjoyable i mean it's it's not uh it's not like a super crazy movie. It's a lot more thought-provoking. That doesn't seem like the right word, but just it's more of a slower movie, and it's these guys fighting fishmen. You had me at fishmen. I would say that should check some boxes for some people. 
Uh, and I believe this is exclusive to Shutter. I'm not sure. I should double check that. But yeah, it's enjoyable. Going to war with fishmen in the early 1900s. Worth a watch. All right. Uh, and then the other thing I watched was. Yeah, Cold Skin is Shutter exclusive. Uh, the other thing I watched, I was kind of in the mood for like a really gross, sleazy New York movie that I haven't seen before. I couldn't like necessarily find one. Uh, so I picked a movie, Strip to Kill, which is uh, came out from Corman's company. Okay. And it wasn't sleazy New York, but it was sleazy Los Angeles, which is almost as good. Not quite. Uh, so in this movie, uh, somebody is killing off strippers, and this female cop, of course, has to go undercover at the strip club. But that means she's going to have to strip if she really wants to be undercover. Well. And of course, yeah. Uh, and of course, her male partner is all about this and encourages her to do it. Are you trying to tell me this came from Corman? Yeah, I know, right? It seems very strange to me. <laughs> uh, movie's okay. It's a little slow because uh, it's directed by a woman, Kat Shea. Who... <laughs> Wait, can we just take the time to pause and maybe later yeah. we can edit that out and have you saying this movie's a little slow because it's directed by a woman. <laughs> no, 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 no. I-, I was not finished with my sentence. <laughs> Doug. I feel like you said enough. We all got your point. <laughs> she actually uh, she went to a strip club with her boyfriend or something. I don't know. And she was talking about this on another podcast I listened to. And she was um, she was surprised by how much quote unquote artistry there was in the dancing and stuff. And she didn't feel like it's ever been represented in a movie very well. So apparently she had to convince Corman to do this movie because he just, he didn't, he didn't get it. Like, he's just like, I don't, you know, this doesn't, I I don't know. And then, of course, when it came out and made money, he immediately made a sequel on his own. So, Uh, but so that's what she really wanted to focus on. So there is a lot of full dance numbers in this movie. Which is why I say it's a little slow, because she really wanted to highlight like the artistry of being a stripper. Well. And I don't know what kind of strip clubs. I mean, here around where I live, the strip clubs are just full, like full nudity. And I know that's not the case like everywhere. And I think Los Angeles, it's topless only. So I don't know if they feel they need to compensate for the fact that they can't go do full nude because some of these dance routines were very elaborate with like sets and almost like a storyline throughout the the stripping set like it must take like 15 minutes between each dancer for them to come up and get the stage set up this one lady had like uh, looked like she was putting on like a off broadway play or something there's like a Venetian blinds like hanging on half the stage and then she pantomimes that she just got home from work and is very tired from a long day of working at the office and <laughs> it was like this, just sort of these ridiculous 
uh, long like dance sequences and stuff. So it, that's why it gets a little drawn out and a little slow, just because almost every stripper in the movie has to have at least one of these dance sequences. Yeah, well, you can't rush art. So. <laughs> that's true. Uh, so she's trying to find information on who's who all these strippers might have in common, like who knows them and stuff and whatever. The movie's like okay. It's not it's not super fantastic, but it's uh, you know, mid to late eighties strippers getting killed by a serial killer movie. There's worse things you could watch. <laughs> but there's also better things you could watch. <laughs> Very non-committal. I respect that. <laughs> yeah, like I don't know. I just it, it. It's almost. I was almost disappointed because um, uh, I feel like it wasn't as sleazy as I wanted it to be. It's a little too artistic. Yeah, I can understand why. Like a movie like that, almost by necessity, has to be sleazy in order to be interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe pre-internet, it would have been fun to watch 15-minute-long strip show sessions in a movie, but uh, I feel like you could find that if you really wanted to now. Yeah, I mean, if I was, like, 12, and, you know, if I was 12 back when I was 12 and watched this movie, it'd probably be the most glorious thing I'd ever seen. But now as an almost 40-year-old, I'm just like, yeah, yeah, I get it. You're dancing, take your clothes off for money. Let's uh, hurry this along so I can see another stripper get set on fire. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, serial killer movies are supposed to be about the kills and or about the mystery of the serial killer, not about mm-hmm. the victims. Yeah, fuckers. Here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future. Uh, Noah, do you want to tell us what we're doing next week? Uh, next week, we are going to do some uh, hockey movies with uh, Goon and Slapshot. It's weird that you guys, like, switched your picks. <laughs> yeah. So, Twilight Zone. Yeah. Doug's picking Noah movies. Noah's picking Doug movies. Cats and dogs living together. Complete anarchy. And Brian just stuck in the middle trying to figure out what the fuck's going on. I know. I'm just like, Jesus Christ. I gotta watch Stifler in a hockey movie. Listen, you get to watch Stifler in a hockey movie. (laughs) Yeah, didn't you say this is more of like a toned down Sean William Scott, though? Yes, his character is much more subdued than he is in many other movies. Because I almost like would pay to see Stifler in a hockey movie, like that tone of a movie. That Just that douchebag type guy from American Pie, and then... D- don't worry, Jay Baruchel douchebags it up in this movie. Oh, okay, that's good. For, for he plays the best friend. I was going to say, Stifler plays a a guy who has kind of a sad life, and it turns out he's really, really good at just, like, one thing in the world. <laughs> it's not even hockey. Yeah, <laughs> and it's not hockey. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I've never seen either one of them, so I'm excited to check it out. I want to say, I wanna say, like, the only hockey movies I ever watched was the uh, Mighty Duck movies. Oh, really? And that's not even a joke. Like, those are the only movies I've ever watched. You should watch uh, Mystery Alaska, too. Russell Crowe playing hockey in uh, you know, a small town in Alaska. <laughs> that movie is full-on ridiculous. Let's say is it inspirational? Because I don't want to be... 
It is inspirational. Don't want to be inspired. That's ridiculous. So, then don't watch it because it's very inspirational. (laughs) It also has a drunk Hank Azaria driving the Zamboni down the street at one point in it. Nice. (laughs) Don't. Don't, don't let that fool you. That's not what most of the movies like. No. Uh, Noah, did you see that they have officially, I mean, they kind of had officially announced it, but they have officially put a date for the new Joe Bob show? No, I didn't see that. So weekly, every Fridays, he's going to be doing, starting, I think, March 21st. Uh, he's going to be doing a double feature. Oh. It'll be up apparently for like nine weeks to stream on Shutter. That makes me happy. Yeah, and he said, uh, "Let me just pull up because I saw his." Wait, what do you mean it'll be up for nine weeks? Does that mean they're taking it down after nine weeks? Yeah, I'm sure a lot of it has to do with uh, the streaming rights for the movies. God probably. Damn it! So you're gonna have to watch them. Yeah, I don't like this timed shit. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Joe Bob's Facebook says yes. Oh, March 29th. That's what it is. Uh, hosting a weekly series of double features. Uh, it'll stream live every Friday for nine weeks and includes classic to obscurities to foreign cult films ranging over five decades. So it's going to be a lot of fun. That just means it could be anything. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much anything get their shutter, shutter can get their hands on. They'll have access to. Yeah. So, I don't want to end the podcast on a on a downer, but no, let's end the podcast on a downer. It, all this talk of streaming rights and everything, and it's we've, it's come up several times, different streaming services throughout this discussion. Mm-hmm. Samsung officially announced that they're walking away from manufacturing Blu-ray or 4K players, mm-hmm. and they're just not going to do that anymore. Is that that's that's the first coffin, right? The first nail in the coffin. We're just we're easing towards just not having physical medium at all anymore. The yeah. second the second physical medium becomes difficult to get a hold of, streaming's gonna turn into shit. Yeah, pretty much. Like it's but I mean, I mean I'm t- I'm not asking for I'm just saying it's it's what's gonna happen and I'm not, I'm not happy about it. And I fully admit I'm part of the problem because when Netflix got invented, I drastically slowed down how much I buy. And mm. that's that's life. I mean, for, it's a combination of reasons. One of them being, why should I get up and walk over to a shelf when I can just hit a button? And one of them being just, I have access to so much now mm-hmm. with limited effort that, you know, I don't rewatch movies as often as I used to, so it doesn't really make sense to own movies if I'm not going to watch them on a regular basis. Yeah, I definitely have a collector's mentality. So, I mean, I own a lot of movies, but I had moved more to buying the mainstream movies digitally on Voodoo. Yeah. And then a lot of just weird, obscure stuff, of course, I pick up on physical media. <sighs> I know video game systems, I mean, I don't know. Maybe eventually too. They'll be like, "Well, that's that's hardware we don't need. Like everything can just be digital now. So yeah, like just get rid of it. Video games will soon enough be online, right? Yeah, because then when there's an update to the game, it just happens in the background, and you don't have to download yeah. it or whatever. Yeah, I mean, you already got the choice now. 
Sometimes I buy physical media. Sometimes I just buy it digitally. Yeah, so... I don't know. I, it was just a sad thing because Samsung's an awfully big name in the market to just mm-hmm. say we're not... Like, for them to basically just announce we're never going to manufacture a... or, like, a Blu-ray player again. Mm-hmm. Even yeah. when they said, like, because they made the point of saying Blu-K or Blu-ray or 4K. And I'm like, oh, so you're not even just only making the biggest, best model. You're making nothing. Yeah, pretty much. So, yeah. Boo. I don't know. Is everybody sad enough to go home now? Or? Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater. And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night.